Welcome to Full Body Frequency, the one-hour weekly show that celebrates everything full-bodied and fabulous. I'm Laura Rice, cultural curator, fashion designer, and your guide through the Full Body Frequency experience. This is the current through which we will explore the truths and explode the myths about the lives and loves of plus-size women. Since our lives shouldn't depend on how others see us, neither does this show. Full Body Frequency is the platform through which we will dialogue about moving through this world, fully engaged with passion and purpose. Our foundation, fashion, art, culture, beauty, health and wellness, travel and love. Today, Full Body Frequency welcomes Jess B, AKA the Militant Baker, international body advocate, fat chick, mental health professional, feminist, self-love enthusiast, professional rabble-rouser. As always, you can visit the Full Body Frequency Facebook page for more information about today's show. While you're there, don't forget to like us. And feel free to send us some listener love at fullbodyfrequency at gmail.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Jess B., the militant baker, and body love.
just tuned in, you're listening to Full Body Frequency. Today's guest is Jess B., who is internationally recognized for her blog, The Militant Baker. She's also recognized for culture jamming with the Attractive and Fat and the Empower All Bodies campaigns, which were highly successful. She's also dedicated to shifting social paradigms into a place where all people are offered the opportunity to love themselves just as they are. The Attractive and Fat campaign drew coverage from CNN, The Today Show, the BBC, amongst other national and international media networks. Jess harnesses the power of vulnerability, honesty, and candor through dialogue about living in a world where worth is determined by your dress size, diagnosis, and deference to authority. Jess B., the militant baker, welcome to Full Body Frequency. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So we're going to jump in. And for those who may not know, what is the body positive and body acceptance movement? To be honest with you, it's really multifaceted. There's not one, quote unquote, one size fits all body positivity. There's a lot of different people and, and thoughts involved. But basically, it revolves around learning to accept and embrace your body and the concept that all bodies deserve respect. I think those are the really basic fundamentals, and people advocate for body positivity for a lot of different reasons, um, but I think that's, it's safe to say we all believe in that. Absolutely. But now, how do the two of those, body positivity and body acceptance, work together to produce body love? Well, so body love is a term that I use, because I personally believe in loving, embracing, adoring our outsides. So body acceptance is kind of challenging the status quo, taking a look at your belief system and saying, okay, I accept this. And then body positivity is kind of taking it one step further and saying, okay, I embrace this. And then together, if you fall in love with your body, I don't think it's such a bad thing. Your highly revered blog is entitled The Militant Baker, Lose the BS, Love Your Body. What was the impetus for and the history of your work as a size acceptance advocate and the history of your blog? It's only been around for a few years. And I came into blogging as a lifestyle blogger. Uh, So I had like this vintage baking blog and it was nothing special. 
it was through that that I found The Nearsighted Owl, which was also a lifestyle blog, but written by this woman named Rochelle, who was really fat. And at that point, I was in complete denial about my relationship with my body, and I had never seen anything like it, and we had everything in common, loved cats and drifting and beehives, and and I just couldn't tear myself away from her blog because she had all of those things, and she was happy, and she was sad. Mm. And it was through reading that blog that I had this moment of realization, which is sad to me, I had to have it, but... You know, some people have never had it yet. And the realization was, maybe I don't have to loathe myself for the rest of my life. Mm. After I realized that and then read another article about how a lot of times lifestyle blogs are kind of glossed over, I was like, all right, I'm going to write something real and representational and raw. And as my body love journey continued, I just obviously it overtook my life. And so I continued to write about that. And it's just been an evolution until um, here we are. (laughs) Are you saying your aha moments in terms of tapping into your full body frequency or your ability to embrace your body and live life to the fullest was a few years ago? It was was about three years ago. So what is fat shaming and what does it look like here in the U.S.? Mm, That's a good question. Well, fat shaming comes from the belief that fat bodies are inferior and what that turns into is common bullying, which ranges from just regular shaming, maybe by friends, to extreme harassment, and more, honestly. It also looks like a lot of discrimination. Um, People who are larger look at discrimination in the workplace, so they, you know, oftentimes have difficulty reaching positions that they would like to because of discrimination, or because they've been taught to hate their body, they also have low self-esteem, and people who have low self-esteem make less than their confident counterpart. So we see a lot of that. There's healthcare discrimination. It's documented that half, around half of doctors buy into the same stigma around weight where they think fat people are lazy and worthless. So that directly impacts how fat bodies are taken care of, how they're diagnosed. You know, it just runs the whole gamut. It's, it's all over the place. It's so entrenched in our society that we sometimes don't even know it exists. Uh, we just accept it as common practice and normal. Yeah, I mean, it even goes into our media where we only portray fat bodies in certain ways and none of them are particularly positive. It's pretty intense. <laughs> so do you think that the normalization of fat shaming is directly tied to obesity being categorized as a disease two to three years ago? I think it's a product of fat bias and shaming. And I think it's also a byproduct of market. I actually just wrote about this. It was the American Medical Association, and they would gotten together in 2013. And um, one of the policies was to recognize obesity as a disease state requiring interventions and advanced obesity treatment and prevention. So that's kind of where it came from. And what's interesting is even though some professionals realized what a lot of health at every size professionals know, which is that is not inherently unhealthy, it's not the determining factor of health, even though people already knew that, it's still passed. And there's so many quotes going around from people involved that are, you know, saying, well, obviously, I mean, now that we can classify it as a disease, doctors can write it down. They put the diagnosis on their clipboard and they get reimbursed by insurance companies. And so it's just a perpetuation of what's already existed. But it's scary to me because we're, 
now officially labeling this intermedical system instead of just having it inherently there. And that gets really dangerous for a lot of people, no matter their size, because it's really skewing the way we treat health and bodies. Absolutely. And it also informs us that if there are health problems, not to go to the doctor because you'll be embarrassed, you'll be shamed. Uh, everything yes. will be directly tied to your weight when that's not necessarily the truth. Right. It's not. And yeah, the problem is one of the problems that comes from weight stigma that's directly related to healthcare and not necessarily people's unhealthiness because of their weight is that a lot of fat people, because of this bias, just never go. Yeah, it's just what you're saying. So it just creates its own problems, right? With all of this being said, and despite the visibility of some well-known plus-size women, including actress Gabourey Sidibe, Melissa McCarthy, and Oprah Winfrey, the normalization of fat shaming has increased. And I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but the role of the anonymity of social media has played a big role in that. Is, is that true? Oh, I think so. And that's just coming from someone who's on the receiving end of all of the hate and pushback. I would imagine it gives, you know, anyone reacting, I'm not even going to say responding, reacting to this change at a megaphone. And, you know, I'm all for free speech, but I'm not for hate speech. And so I try and keep it out of my life. But definitely, it really, it's interesting to watch what it brings out in people when they have that freedom being able to be anonymous and instant. You know, we don't have to think about it before we push post. And so it's very interesting for sure. So now you're a public figure, but how do you directly protect yourself or insulate your brand from all of the madness around it in terms of fat shaming and hate speech? Or, or do you? I have to, to be honest with you. There's, it ebbs and flows. I read a Lacey Green interview where she was like, yep, I pretty much just like bat down the hatches every time there's a new flood because that's really how it comes. And for me, though, it's imperative for my, like, emotional well-being that I have as little of it as possible. And I, I used to think that it made me a well-rounded person to, like, read all of these criticisms and take them in. But the reality is that you, I can find any opinion about me, my work, the concept that I want. It all is out there. And so I'm not really learning anything new, and it's just really destructive because there's so much rage encapsulated in a lot of it. What I do is <laughs> um, I don't read the comments. Okay. Occasionally I will interact when I have the emotional capacity on my Facebook page or Instagram or something like that because I do enjoy the community. There's been an incredible community built around my social media, and it makes me very happy. And We share lots of pictures of our cats, and it's amazing. <laughs> And I also, when I do find myself, so I went through a bout of a really tough time around the Empower All Bodies campaign, um, just because when it, something is that visible, it instigates a lot of motion. And what I did is I reached out to other members of the body acceptance and activism community. And there are so many people within that that I know personally, that get it, that are supportive, that know how hard it is. Honestly, I don't know what I would do without them because it really is important to have those people. So it's multifaceted, but I try and keep it out as much as I can. That's impossible. And then I turn to people who get it for support. That's important. We all need a great support system. 
So one of the pieces that has become institutionalized through the militant baker is what I call the radical revisualization of the fat body. So you reimagine and issue your vision of what the original advertising campaigns could have been. Now, it's whether it's Abercrombie and Fitch campaigns that emphasize specific mainstream body size prototypes versus your, which was wonderful, attractive and fat campaign, or, and you just spoke about this, your Empower All Bodies campaign, juxtaposed against Lane Bryant's I Am No Angel campaign, which focuses on plus-size sexiness in very limited ways. Talk about these two highly visible campaigns and the specifics of your, the militant baker's responses. Well, it's something called culture jamming, and it's really important. And culture jamming can happen a lot of ways, but essentially you're recreating something that is recognizable, maybe it already exists, and altering it. And uh, producing something that maybe the world needs more. And so through Abercrombie and Fitch, that was pretty easy because it was just two models. And it just took one. So for those who haven't seen it, it's a traditionally attractive male model and then me modeling, who's a super fat chick, uh, recreating a lot of the poses and feelings of their ads. And that was wildly successful. And I am glad it was. And it was both hated and it was loved. And those are the appropriate reactions. It doesn't really matter what people feel about it in the end, though, because what's important is that those images are out there. We are so easily conditioned. We have no idea how easily we're conditioned. And so to put those images out there and a lot of other women who are doing body positive photography and unaltered photos, um, to put those things out there is so critical because for people to see it, I mean, sometimes it just breaks their brain. In the beginning, we don't know how to process that. We have not been given a way to process that bodies positively. Yeah, so I'm really glad they exist. The Empower All Bodies was tricky. It's not perfect. There's no way for it to be perfect. Our bodies aren't perfect, so the campaign shouldn't have been either. Yeah, it was definitely authentic, and it was shiny and pretty because my friend Jade is an incredible photographer, and I love her so much. But, you know, the point was diversity, and, you know, I had two models cancel, and it's really tricky to get all that together, but the point is visible plus-size bodies that are not hourglass. And that happened. It was everywhere on the internet for a day, and that's really important for people to see. So I'm pleased with it. I think, you know, nothing's perfect. It's a step in the right direction, and it started a conversation, which is also important. And ironically, since you issued your attractive and fat size diversity campaign, Abercrombie and Fitch has lost significant revenue, has been hit by a discrimination lawsuit from a Muslim woman contending that she was not hired because she wears a hijab. The company no longer produces sexy advertising. Employees are no longer required to wear company clothing. They are now called brand representatives instead of models, which is kind of oxymoronic because you're a brand representative, but you're not required to wear the brand. But uh, I digress. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah, and there's a whole list of changes that go on. But what, if any, is the correlation between these changes and your attractive and fat campaign efforts? I think they're directly related, but you tell me what you think. I don't think they're directly related, but I think that they're somewhat related in that my campaign was part of a larger outcry of anger and frustration and rejection it was not one person. There was a bunch of campaigns around the same time, but what was really amazing, and I did know, you know, their stock is lower than it's been in five years, And but what I do think is really amazing about the Abercrombie and Fitch downfall, we'll say, is it came from the people, and I think that's really important to realize how much power consumers have. 
So because there was this constant barrage of anger, headlines, and coverage on the news, and people were outraged. And because of this, they said, "Mm -mm, nope, not buying that anymore. And it was so widespread that we see the huge effect on a giant company that's been around forever. And so to me, that just speaks to how much power we do have as consumers, as people, we really can influence the industry as we know it, which is just incredible. So you're listening to Full Body Frequency. This is Laura Rice. And today I'm speaking with Jess B., also known as the Militant Baker. We're talking exclusionary apparel branding practices and plus-size body acceptance and love. When we return, we'll continue the conversation. Stay tuned. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Oh, 
as your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds, trying to keep your head up to the sky, lovers they may cause you tears, go ahead release your fears, my And if you've just tuned in to Full Body Frequency, I'm speaking with Jess B., the militant baker, international body advocate, fat chick, mental health professional, feminist, self-love enthusiast, and professional rabble-rouser whose Body Love Conference is happening on Saturday, June 6th in Tucson, Arizona. So now, on to Drop the Plus, a marketing campaign designed to eliminate the use of the word plus as descriptors for models who, starting at a U.S. size 4, are labeled and work within the fashion industry as plus-size models, which is kind of insane to me, but that's another story. This campaign was more about individual ego versus collective movement, and as a result, birthed the Keep a Plus movement. And during this time, Lane Bryant shrewdly launched its I Am No Angel, a highly visible and on many levels highly successful with its Cacique lingerie campaign that featured a variety of plus-size models of different sizes and races. And you spoke about it a little bit earlier in terms of your Empower All Bodies movement. However, let's talk a little bit more about Empower All Bodies, specifically the idea of imperfect bodies, but also the fact that you empowered women who are also handicapped, physically handicapped, and you don't see that. And you rarely see that, I should say, in any advertising campaigns in terms of apparel brands. So talk about the decisions around the bodies that you chose and the representation that you chose. Well, really do wish that the campaign had more of was more women of color. I think that erased from uh, body activism. And there's a lot of other things that are also a race. Things we don't talk about, things we overlook, things we forget about. Some of those things have to do with our transgender community. Uh, transgender bodies, we have not found a way, unfortunately, uh, and this needs to change, which is why I included it in Power All Bodies, to incorporate transgender bodies into this body positive movement, which is so critical. <laughs> and it, you know, it's just 
unfortunately, it's not in the mainstream consciousness the way I would like it to be. Same with disability, visibility, and awareness. And so it was really important to me to have those pieces. Those women were acquaintances and friends of mine, really amazing humans. Oh my God, that shoot was so fun. So yeah, so it's really important to include those. And really, that was just a, hey world, let's not forget about all of these different components of body acceptance and positivity. I also made sure to include uh, my body, which has a large belly, which is very different than our plus size models. And also people who have smaller boobs, not the traditional vavoom uh, hourglass that we also see. So those are kind of the pieces that I wanted to represent. And yeah, we had a good time doing it. Again, it was really beautiful. The unretouched bodies. And one of the things that you talked about a little bit earlier was the fashion industry. And the fashion industry's profit is built on selling us the consumer fantasy and illusion. When one buys that perfect coat, perfect dress, bra, shoe, etc., it's not only for utilitarian purposes, but our choices are based on the apparel industry's creation of marketing campaigns that play on our desires for aesthetically pleasing the newest, the best, this will change my life, can't live without it, I must have it item. I spoke about this earlier, but it's, is it realistic to think that Lane Bryant would abandon its use of traditional plus-size models for non-traditional plus-size women? Do you think that's on the horizon? I do, and I don't think that's the way it is for every clothing company ever. I think exclusivity sells period. That's how people make their money. And it's been longstanding. Um, I think this is hopeful thinking, but this body acceptance movement, fortunately, is trending, right? It's something I'm here talking about on your show. It's all over BuzzFeed and Upworthy. And so there is that buy-in, which is really interesting. And I'm so, I'm so glad to see it happening because it's now reaching people outside the activism world, people outside the Bay Area where there are so many amazing people living that are very socially and consciously aware of this issue. It's reaching people in the malls. It's reaching all of these other people. This is wonderful because it does give incentive to companies. Because let's be real, companies are always going to want to make money. Absolutely. There's no fault in that. That's their job. <laughs> now, what I do want to see is certain companies that say, hey, we're interested in empowering women, I would like to see more empowerment. And and I think that it's a very slow process, so we have to be realistic, you know? And there's people who say, no, I want size 32 models on the runway now or else I'm shunning your brand forever. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's logical. Our world is so slow to adjust to change. And we say that we want all this diversity, and we do, but we have to realize that for large consumer-based companies like Lane Bryant, the people who are seeing these ads and advertisements are not accustomed to this. And so Lane Bryant would alienate a lot of people by doing that, and they know that. And so I think we just have to be realistic about our expectations. So do I think it will get better? I really hope so. I think that maybe see very slow progress, but it will be progress. And coming from a retailer, that's pretty incredible. Until then, it will be up to activists and other people who are concerned citizens to create more inclusive ad campaigns and images. And that's just the way it is. But I'm hoping we'll see a very slow, gradual shift where there will be the mix of activism and retail. I think it can happen with this body acceptance movement because there is so much buy-in. 
I did want to know that there is a secondary campaign of I Am No Angel, which includes photos of Lane Bryant consumers and bloggers all over the world rocking the now I Am No Angel hashtag. And sure, it's highly curated. It's on uh, Lane Bryant's Tumblr account. It's also being e-blasted. But again, it's highly curated and features women at the smaller end of the plus-size spectrum, but the women's confidence is infectious and inspirational. So I think what you just talked about in terms of movement and changing, change is happening. They're happening. They're yes. absolutely happening. And, I, and you are definitely at the forefront of this change. So thank you for that. I'm glad you brought that up really quickly. I want to make sure that it's very clear that having plus size, quote unquote, models on the side of the F train in New York City is revolutionary. <laughs> like, is. this has been progress, right? I personally would like to see more progress. I feel like including a few more things is realistic. We have to give props for Ellie Mayday has a scar and there was racial diversity. And, you know, there were a lot of components that people who are not actively entrenched in this world of body activism do not see. So some people, and a lot of people, obviously, as you mentioned, do identify with that. And that's so important because that's one baby step closer to empowering all bodies. Well, speaking of progress and empowerment, Tess Munster, who, by the way, is on Team Keep the Plus, is the first size 22, 5 foot 5 inch, tatted up, non-traditional plus size model to sign with a mainstream model agency. So will her arrival open doors for other non-traditional bodies and beauties within the modeling industry, or is she an anomaly? Oh, God, you're asking me to predict the future. (laughs) I don't know. But I would like to think that it does open doors because this is a historical moment and to make it very serious because she's the first. She's everywhere. She's also a wonderful human, someone I love dearly and I'm really happy for her. But as far as other people who are watching go, I think it's incredibly inspirational. I think it's setting the bar a little bit differently. I can't wait to see what happens. Who knows? But it can't be bad, that's for sure. And I'm going to jump back a little bit. How has Tess Munster impacted the body love movement? Have you seen that yet? Absolutely. You know, because she's a model, she is very visible. She has become one of the faces of the plus size movement and she's very approachable for people who are not part of activism, right? If you say, I look up to this activist, you're automatically associated with this radical group of people. If you say, oh, I like Tess Munster, you're not necessarily committing to any radical acts that you know of. And so she's reaching these people who may not feel comfortable yet with other concepts of body acceptance. And so I think it's really powerful, and I'm really glad she's out there. So, yeah, I think that she has become one of the faces of plus-size visibility. And she's so fierce online, and I love that, and unapologetic. And so it's really great for people to see in their feeds constantly, whether they like it or not. (laughs) This is Laura Rice, and I'm speaking with Jess Baker, a.k.a. The Militant Baker. She is the founder of the Body Love Conference, taking place in Tucson, Arizona, Saturday, June 6th. The Body Love Conference is the first of its kind, a physical space and forum where presenters and attendees can build community and challenge the beauty status quo through revolutionary lectures, workshops, panel discussions, and movement classes, complete with take-home tools for attendees to continue their own personal body love revolution. 
So speaking of challenging the beauty status quo, that brings us to a recent news story about Alexis Miller and this Pennsylvania teenager, a senior in high school, attended prom in a beautiful but fairly conservative dress. However, she was issued a one-day suspension for, according to her school, showing too much cleavage, which is totally ridiculous, especially in light of the fact that her fellow classmates, a number of them were scantily clad and revealed far more flesh than Alexis. For listeners who aren't familiar with the story, Alexis's mother alleges that the school issued the suspension because Alexis is plus size. Although the suspension was reversed, what concerns me is that the suspension, reversed or not, could have railroaded Alexis's life. She had already accepted an offer of admission from Lincoln University, which could have been revoked because of the suspension. So fat shaming and the criminalization of Alexis Miller for wearing a marginally revealing dress while her classmates, again, revealed far more flesh. How likely are we going to see more cases like this? Well, I hope we're going to see them less and less. I think this example is complicated. I think there's a lot of reasons around why that would happen. And I think one of them has to do with our how uncomfortable we are with sexualization of a fat body. We kind of don't know what to do with a confident, sexy fat body. So, you know, we're, we're accustomed to seeing it in smaller sizes, but when it shows up as a plus-size person, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable. We're not sure. You think of media and how many times is the plus person funny or stupid or evil instead of being sexy. Mm-hmm. And so we just really don't know how to work with that and we don't know how to you know i'm just thinking of like school employees you know they're not equipped (laughs) to challenge fat stigma you know so but i'm hoping right with campaigns like empower all bodies where there's sexy fat women in lingerie that we'll see more of that which will then very slowly trickle down into the consciousness of the people and we will see an acceptance of all uh bodies being visible and confident and sexy if they want to be um, and it not being strange or criminal. Folks who want more information about this case, just visit the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. There are links to several articles on Alexis Miller and her progress. You and 10 other folks are leading the Adore Your Body Telesummit. It's an 11-day, 25 to 40-minute daily cup of inspiration. And about this, you say... Body love is not just for fat people, it's for everybody. So share a bit about the Telesummit, which is a prelude to the Body Love Conference, and the exciting takeaways those watching will receive. Well, you know, it's not something I put together, it's something I just participated in. Erica is the one who really compiled all these interviews with some really incredible people, some of which I've never heard speak before, so I'm really excited because they are legitimate interviews with this wonderful woman. They show up in your inbox one a day for there's 11 speakers. Uh, there's something really wonderful about hearing someone actually speak instead of reading. And so I'm excited because there will be a few people in there that I haven't heard speak before. I would love to hear speak. Can't fly to Philadelphia. People who love their bodies don't put down other people who love their bodies. And what's really interesting is fat shaming and fat stigma affects everyone because we're all living our lives in fear of this vilified body and we measure our worth in steps between us and that body, right? 
we're constantly living with that stigma, even if we're straight sized. And I think that's really important to note that like my oppression is your oppression. And that's kind of how you connect people who are, we are all connected in this. So I'm looking forward to that. Great. And it's free. That's the important thing to know. Free, free, free is for me. <laughs> <laughs> for more information on that, folks can go to the militantbaker.com, correct? Yeah. Great. We're all in this together. And it's important to know as well that I've never met a woman, no matter her size, shape, height, any of those things, that does not have something she would want to change about her body. So we're really all in this together. We're going to take one final break, and when we return, Jess B. and I will talk about the highly anticipated Saturday, June 6th, the Body Love Conference taking place in Tucson, Arizona. We'll be right back. Hey, America, we're your pets, and this song's dedicated to those people who don't have health insurance yet. In we say we want you to be okay. In we say take care, people, for goodness sake. There's a plan for every budget, so don't accept defeat. Now you can get covered and still buy me treats. In so listen to me, a talking pug, you see. If you get health insurance, preventive care is now free. So sweet. You take care of your pets. Now it's their turn to take care of you. Visit GetCoveredAmerica.org to learn about your health insurance options. That's GetCoveredAmerica.org. And take care, people. Brought to you by Get Covered America and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? On getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right. Which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Bird flying high. You know how I feel. Sun in the sky. You know how I feel. Drifting by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. Feeling gay. In the sea, you know how I feel. River running free, you know how I feel. Blossom on the tree, you know how I feel. 
a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. Good. Yeah. Dragonfly out in the sun, you know what I mean. Butterflies are having fun. You know what I mean Live in peace when day is done That's what I mean And this whole world is a new world And a whole world For me Stars when you shine You know And today, my guest, Jess B., the militant baker, and I are talking body positivity, body acceptance, and the Body Love Conference, which comes to Tucson, Arizona on Saturday, June 6th. Just a quick reminder, you can check out the Full Body Frequency Facebook page for more information about anything you've heard on today's show. You can also email us at fullbodyfrequency at gmail.com. Now, the Body Love Conference. This has got to be one of the most exciting happenings in the body acceptance movement, in the body acceptance community. It's a rare type of public gathering whose presentation is supported by social workers, therapists, artists, scientists, and even a Spanish language interpreter. So everyone is coming together to produce a size acceptance conference that can be and should be attended again by everybody from 12 years old and up. Share more with us. Well, I think it's important to know it's just not uh, it's not just the size acceptance conference either. I think those those topics we were talking about the erasure of certain kinds of bodies and the body positive movement. The team that's been working on this has done their best to incorporate that as well, and and that does include teens too, right? And last year was the first. It's a miracle it ever happened. <laughs> we did not know what we were doing, but we pulled it off, and it was wonderful. And now it was heavily female focused, and it was eighteen and up because of logistics and the place we were at and topic. But this year we had the time to kind of incorporate teens, which is so important because the majority of eating disorders are developed in teen years, and you know the sooner we reach out to individuals who need this message, the better. And I just want to also mention that I have not been a very close part of the planning of this conference. I want to make sure all the credit goes to the amazing team here in Tucson. It's a group of about a dozen people, and they have just been working their butts off putting this conference together, and I'm really excited. I've been looking at the speakers, and I'll be one of them, and really, I'm just really impressed and really looking forward to being there. 
It's a wonderful opportunity for people to come together. That The admission is $25 per person, which is totally accessible for most folks, but it's free to those who are 12 to 17, and that's just really a wonderful opportunity for people to take advantage of again. Yeah, it's a one-day event. It's no frills. It is in Tucson, where it's going to be hot in June. But you know what? The importance of it is really, I think it outweighs all of that. And you know, there's something really powerful about being able to have these conversations in real life. The energy, the support, the hugs, you know, all of those things are just so critical. Absolutely. And for folks to walk away with resources to improve their lives is is a wonderful thing. It's it's really a, a blessing, actually. So you're incredibly busy, but what's your favorite way to show your body some love? Oh, you know, I talk a lot about uh, mental illness, and it's something that I identify with, I have a diagnosis of, and have been working, I've worked within the behavioral health field, mental health field for years. And so my self-care is super fundamental. In order for my brain to function, I need sleep, good food, movement, meds, and a lot of sex. Oh. <laughs> and that's how I take care of myself, and it, it works pretty well. That sounds like health at every size. You've incorporated quite a few of those pieces into your life, which is a great thing. Yeah, you know, it's all about balance for me. And then, of course, cuddling with cats would also be self-care. <laughs> okay. What's next for you? I have been hidden away in my room for about nine weeks, working on a book that will be coming out very soon. I'm, I guess we're looking at October. It's called Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls. And to be honest with you, my eyes are totally glazed over. Almost can't remember what's in it, but I know it's good. <laughs> and people should check out your blog entitled Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls. That'll give you a clue to what might be in the book. Yeah, and also what's incorporated in the book is a lot of what I lecture about. You know, the internet's really hard. Blogging is not the best way to get large chunks of information to people. You have to put it in bite-sized pieces. You have to make it digestible. Um, And so it's hard because the conversation is so big and complex, right? 2,000 words isn't going to cut it. So it's so nice to be able to put them all together, to have a long conversation, 224 pages of a conversation with someone, full of pep talks, my own experiences, and just real talk. And, you know, I don't like to pat myself on the back publicly too much because people get weird about that. But the book started off really rough. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. You know, you turn it into your editor and you're like, I hope it's okay. And the process over the last couple months has just been incredible and really amazing editors and suggestions. And I'm just really pleased. I'm pleased with how it has turned out. And it's been a lot of work, but I'm very excited uh, for the release. And we can't wait. So where can we purchase Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls? Will there be a book tour? And if so, when will it begin? You can already purchase it on Amazon. It's a pre-order. So type in things no one will tell fat girls. And I can't give you information on the book tour yet because I've been so involved in editing. (laughs) (laughs) But I haven't come up for air yet. In fact, I was up until like 4 a.m. yesterday finishing some final touches. But I'll make sure to send you that information when I've got it. Wonderful. and look forward to, to receiving that. 
So before you go, please share some parting words of inspiration for plus-size women and girls. I think it's important to know that the reason we hate our bodies is because there were companies decades ago that knew that if they were to create uh, self-hatred and body hatred, they would make a lot of money. It's really important for especially girls to know that this is why <laughs> the reason you hate yourself, it's not a good reason. And that was really important for me to know. And also, I think it's important for people to know that they're in charge of their own bodies, that body autonomy is the most important thing. And so what that means is it allows you to accept or reject social standards as you please. So there's no right or wrong way to love your body. There's no right or wrong way to participate in body acceptance. It's all up to you. It's what you feel comfortable with. So I think also the most important part about body acceptance, positivity, activism, love, is that, and the coolest part, is that it's an internal decision. It's an internal revolution. So it's something that you can decide, I am okay, and therefore you are okay, and no one can take that away from you. It is not a physical thing that people can steal. It's something that you can carry with you wherever you are, and I love that because it really gives the power to the person, and we all have that power, and it's going to be a rough journey, and we're going to have really bad days. I have really bad days, but it's worth it, and it's important. It's really important to love our bodies, accept our bodies, because the way we view our bodies impacts the way we participate in the world, and it affects us on a larger level than I think we realize. I encourage everyone, you don't have to listen to me, but if you're interested in maybe seeing the world a little bit differently and seeing yourself a little bit differently, uh, check out body activism, body love, body positivity, and see what you find. And that's this week's Plus One. Jess B., the militant baker, thank you for the sharing, the inspiration, and the body love. Keep on keeping on. Right back at you, Laura. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. For more information on Jess B., the militant baker, or the body love conference, please visit themilitantbaker.com. For more information about this show or past shows, please visit the Full Body Frequency Facebook page. And while you're there, don't forget to like us. Until next time, tune into your own full body frequency where large is luscious living.